yo, what's good, y'all? My name is Chris Shreve, aka C. Shreve, the professor. Welcome to another episode of Who Needs a Classroom podcast. Um, as 2020 is wrapping up, and this will probably be my last episode of that calendar year, I was kind of debating different topics, and then I read an article this morning that kind of pointed me right to a, a kind of particular item that has been on my list for a while. So uh, this will all fall under the header of don't be a rapper. Um, <laughs> as many of you know who listen, and maybe some of you who don't, um, I am a rapper, and the podcast is kind of, you know, a thing to kind of, I guess, dovetail some interests and kind of check some, you know, boxes off that need to be checked by um, a person out here in um, the artist slash media world. So, yeah, the article I read was basically kind of discussing how difficult it is to be an artist in kind of 2020 and the modern um, sphere of digital monoliths or whatever term you might want to use um, to describe, you know, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitters of the world um, and the way they kind of dominate their playing field. So being a rapper is very much in that landscape. And so and in this article, let me just see uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Doc IT um, from Sosa, Society of Spoken Art, um, one of my fellow ITs. Doc IT sent me this article, or sent my fellow ITs this article uh, and myself, and it may take me a second to find it, but basically it was just talking about the burden the modern kind of millennial artist has to, you know, maintain this social media presence, to, you know, constantly basically be their own PR, to somewhere within all of this shenanigans create music. Uh, this is, let's see, the article is called, uh, the article itself is Art Has Been Brutalized. The, it's from a book, I guess. It's kind of a book promo. So the book is uh, Death of the Artist. So look that up. So I'm make, you know, I guess I'm promoing them a little bit. But um, anyways, it was a good article, and it was... It made me feel that some of my stresses and some of my some of the things that I know don't feel kind of natural in in putting out an album, in rolling out a single, in sometimes finding that way to put out your art to the world. Um, some of the things that feel very, very unnatural. It was it was good to feel an article that reaffirmed that I wasn't you know it wasn't me <laughs> that was feeling weird in some type of way. Uh, it's just weird in itself. And it gave article, you know, examples within the article of, you know, there was a, um, I can't, it was an unnamed band, uh, lead singer for a band, but he talked about how his band decided to leave the label and essentially stop making music for a while. And it was basically because, the, I mean, the article kind of boiled it down to the demands of being a musician were getting in the way of him making any music. And he kind of described it as, he couldn't he wanted to go and kind of dive deep in the music and kind of really figure out you know it's his motivation and you know do what artists do and you know he couldn't do that because he was consistently being dragged back to the surface he felt like he always had to document and put this stuff on IG and put this over here and do this interview and do all the things that kind of got in the way of the creative process or i mean i guess you understand they're not really the creative process but they're part of putting your art out in the world 
and that exhausted them to the point where it made it not even fun to make art anymore and they felt like they weren't even making the music they wanted to make so um, I've luckily never been in that situation I've kind of always I've had a few opportunities that I've turned down but I've always been in an independent situation and so I can really make the art I want to make but before it was making the time finding the time to make it so now it's this whole new world of you know what's it going to look like out there when we go out to perform because you can't really perform right now so whole new challenges right now but they've there's some inherent challenges that have always been there for the independent musician but the article also present these kind of two contradictory point of views if you were to talk to you know folks from different perspectives about what it's like to be an artist you know currently and they kind of represent a one perspective as kind of saying, oh, there's never been a better time. I mean, you, you've got amazing, you know, production at low, at, you know, a lower cost than ever. You've got distribution that's basically free. You've got all these different things. And then if you talk to the artists, it'd be, you know, a very different picture. You know, the, the, I've talked about the, you know, kind of the keeping up with the Joneses, the comparisons, things that inevitably happens in kind of the online social media world. I think artists feel that <clears throat> almost in a magnified way because those comparisons sometimes equal a slot at a festival or, you know, a radio premiere or whatever if you're more, com especially in hip-hop, which is very competitive, but I'm sure all other genres are as well. If you want to make this list, you got to be better than the next guy type of thing. So I guess to some extent in a performance environment, there's kind of always that, but it feels like when the mediums are kind of mashed down to one, uh, the article made the point that, you know, there was a time when, you know, if you wanted to read an article, it might have been in a magazine or maybe, you know, maybe in a newspaper. But the platforms were kind of more different, differentiated to see art might involve a museum, <laughs> you know, to watch a movie might involve a theater to, you know, watch TV might involve a TV set. But then as those media mediums have gotten kind of meshed into one, that they're all on your phone or all, you know, kind of whatever your internet portal choice is, whether that's a TV or, you know, your phone or whatever tablet it might be, then you're competing with everything. It's kind of this big mashup. And so it, it was interesting to hear it talk about how, you know, your single isn't competing just with other rap singles even. You know, I just put a, a rap album, you know, shameless self-plug here, but I put an album out uh, this month, earlier, um, called Ill Pro. And it's it's uh, pr a production is all by my friend uh, Luke McAllister, a.k.a. Ill Pro, or Ill, uh, Ill Flatant. We are Ill Pro together, Ill Flatant. And um, originally we were going to tour it together. He's, a, he's well toured over there in the U.K. I'm well toured over here on the East Coast. We were going to swap kind of make a collaborative album and then do tour swaps. Like he'd come over here and we'd do maybe, you know, he already had a New York show lined up. I was going to help him do kind of the whole East Coast and then maybe go back over there and do that. And now touring is very different, but we still made the album, so that was cool. But to put out an album and to try to, you know, oh man, all, all of what we, you know, if you look at it, like what you should have done, you know, if you did, we probably should have sent footage back and forth about him doing, and we probably still will, of him doing the beats and me doing raps and kind of mash up together and create this mashup video. You know, there's kind of always stuff like that you should do. You know, even with this podcast, this podcast is kind of me doing something extra, but even when I do it, I feel like I should always video it all so that I have the maximum amount of media to pull from, like, because I know I really should be better and I have a bunch of it kind of backstocked, but I should go through 
and create these little clips that are maybe me, you know, whatever, saying, I don't know, something that would make a good clip that's better than me just rambling. It's like good kind of condensed form. I don't know, something that can serve to help pe catch people's attention and say, hey, come listen to this whole podcast. Because by definition, I think a podcast is more long form and a little bit more deep dive. But then how do you utilize that on, on YouTube? It might be the one minute clip or the 30 second clip and then leads back to it. So I'm not always the best at that. I guess that's marketing and promotion and things like that. But that stuff, that stuff sometimes is the difference maker for how you get out there. So a lot of the folks in this article were talking about essentially kind of how exhausting that can be to feel the need to constantly have a post on Instagram, which this year I kind of gave up on that. I felt like there were such bigger causes in the world, um, so I needed to focus on other things, you know, maybe amplifying other voices sometimes or having my post mean more or, or just taking a break sometimes and, and figuring out how to kind of best put my energy into my own kind of close-knit circle, which was my house, is our house kind of at this at this point right now, which is needed right now. You have a 10-year-old son, he needs, he needs my energy, so that's a good place to put it. So uh, I guess when I'm saying don't be a rapper, um, I guess I'm thinking of the, especially the commercial aspect of that word, you know, a rapper is the commercial aspect of maybe the MC and the artist. You know, the rap side of you that has to somehow put yourself in a box, create a single, create an album, roll it out with photos, all that stuff, whew, that stuff is tired. That stuff is not, it's kind of worn out, played out. It's its not that fun to every time you put a song out that's cool and dope to try to think of how to do it, make a, make a video for it. I mean, it makes you think, inherently that makes you think of songs in a certain way if that's what you're trying to do. It makes you think of how could this song, you know, be more boxable in a certain way, you know, through a lens or, you know, or, or I guess you could look at it in different ways. You know, how can I, how can I just do a performance that encapsulates the rawness of what I was trying to convey? Because a lot of what I'm trying to do is, is to, is to perform this one day when the world wakes up and so I can get out there in this live space, not wakes up, but when the world kind of, I guess I meant wakes up from a more metaphor, you know, when it's kind of this slumbering beast, the world has to, everybody staying home, everybody has to kind of not go do what they used to do. So it's kind of this sleeping giant of the world's productivity. That's all I meant. Um, a lot of the world's becoming awake to the realities of what's going on. Um, it'd be inter interesting to see how that plays out as it, the world opens up more. But one day I want to go out there and, and rock shows with y'all. So it's trying, trying to figure out how to kind of maintain relevance so from the, my rapper side. If I'm speaking from my rapper point of view, you know, how am I trying, how am I maintaining relevance? How am I, you know, because I, I literally want to have commercial value. I want to have, you know, 100 people come see me and pay ticket prices to come see me in New Hampshire and Vermont and, you know, Virginia and North Carolina, of course. So it's, it's not easy to have market value in Austin, Texas, and also in Pensacola, Florida. But the goal is to take it from there to Atlanta to Athens to Savannah and all over. So, <laughs> plug to all those cool cities that have shown me love. Um, but I feel like we've had this corona break. A lot, those, some of those venues won't even exist, the ones that I had great relationships with. So, it's how do you even recast yourself in this new landscape? That's really difficult. But that's why I've been trying to kind of maintain values, you know, release music, somehow release visuals with that, which I haven't quite figured out yet. 
but I just got a camera and so I'm gonna try to have better better visuals because the more you can handle stuff in-house that's kind of the you know the whole idea with the podcast is this is really in easily handled handled in-house even though I'm blah, 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 bumbling my words and need way more editing and practice not practice but you know time than I sometimes have to put towards it this this is a good medium for me because I can I can kind of you know get it done get it put out to y'all keep it moving that type of thing so I think that's to me when I'm thinking about artists I'm thinking about how do you help make it easier for the, the person to knock out these canvases of whatever their canvas is, whether that's, you know, if it's recordings for, art, for a recording artist, whether it's paintings for a painter, whether it's, you know, whatever that might be. How do they get their XPs up? How do they get their experience time? Because that's what it ends up boiling down to. And that's what this article I thought really did a good job of it was it really kind of hit the kind of holistic point of view of how do we foster the arts in the community and in the world because when this great artist or some great art comes out we might quick be quick to point to its value system or how how do we you know create benefactors that can help that person to make more art but we really have to think about how did that artist become the artist they were and sometimes that was having good teachers or having good experiences somewhere along the way in the community or with you know with other artists or whatever that might have been but that implies a society that values art or education in certain ways and so that implies this whole network of things that support the arts and things that help to foster that mindset and so that is a whole bigger conversation and so that was why i thought this this article which i would recommend and i guess the book's probably good too but the article was good and it was it was definitely pointing to the greater bigger picture of of how monopolies are not going to work for us you know when when three or four or five huge huge media conglomerates kind of dominate the sphere which with we op within which we operate when they change it to 280 characters or when then when they change the size of the profile picture or the format of the post or the story and that affects our art in these ways that's kind of, when you think about it, kind of preposterous. That's kind of a really unnecessarily large ripple and wave to add to what we're doing. If they all of a sudden said, okay, the, the dominant format was 14-minute short films, all of a sudden you'd see that. And that would be dope as fuck. But, like, that's not necessarily what's going to happen. It's going to go, like, more and more and more, more and more and more soundbite. Soundbite, soundbite, soundbite. Chop it down for, farther and farther and farther. And... My hip-hop mind likes that because I've been making a lot of beats and chopping stuff up, and it's fun to chop sounds down <laughs> and then flip them around. But it's also cool to deep dive and figure out the layers of human thought and to, you know, when artists can really figure out what they want to do because they're on, like, you know, canvas number 97 of that summer because for some reason that summer allowed them to to function, then, then they're going to have have more success you know and that doesn't just magically happen sometimes somebody has to help make that happen i.e support that person's life because life costs money you know your rent costs money your your food your you guys know this you guys all live <laughs> there's a cost of life and living and so to be an artist and and just starve for your art is is one thing i mean it's kind of romanticized but for someone to be truly productive sometimes you know a platform has to be created to lift them up out of that and not just starve. So when I say don't be a rapper, it's real easy to be a starving rapper. I think rappers are kind of the 2020 
you know, jazz musician, you know, of our century. It's real easy to be a rapper, to grab a microphone, to grab some recording equipment, to, to make some beats, to have a friend who makes beats, to jump on a SoundCloud, to put it out and be like, ah, and then like if you're good and you put some time into it, it's not that that difficult to be good at it, I don't think, but then to really separate yourself and to have, it's like everything else, to separate yourself and become a master of the craft is much different, but it's fun. It's a fun environment to be in. So there's a lot of rappers out here, obviously, but <clears throat> it's difficult. And because of that amount of rappers out here and because the bar is lower for having the camera, the recording equipment, the everything, then there's a lot of rappers and the competition level is high. And if you're not built for that competition, then you're, you're not going to have much success. Um, I guess I'm saying don't be a rapper not from the essence of the competition, because that's always been here, but more from the essence of being an artist is rough in 2020. It's real easy to put your art out there and have millions of people see it, but it's a lot more difficult to make some type of money off of it. The monetization is more difficult than ever these days. Getting your music out, your, your art out, your pictures out to the masses may be easier than ever. But do you get paid any anything at all when they get end up on the IG Explore page? <laughs> you know, do you monetize that in some way? If not, then we're kind of at the same same old place of artists kind of getting robbed blind by society. But yet we're so needed and we're needed more than ever. So um I'm gonna close this out with a, a kind of a shout out and a thank you and um a uh, a huge, huge shout of respect to my wife she has been on the front lines um this whole year um i want to basically say you know um the healthcare workers of our country make it go around especially they'd always have but now more than ever um my wife is a nurse practitioner um she's been a nurse since she was 18 years old at all levels uh, LPN to RN to, you know, FMP, which is a cool, cool ass, uh, um, FMP is a real cool, um, set of initials right there. Um, anyways, um, yeah, I was going to post like, you know, everybody's posting their Spotify year end reviews. I was going to post hers. It was like, she got the vaccine the other day. I was going to, I was going to holler at Lupe IT because, um, she was, you know, one of the first, you know, frontline people to get the, um, the vaccine and, like her, I was going to post her stat line, you know, kind of everybody's posting their Spotify end of year stats. I was going to post the end of year stats. I, th I think I might have to post this on Spotify or I mean on um, IG like her stats. You know, she been I need to post her active weeks, her active you know, hours worked. She had two full exposures like at close range in her office. She, uh, you know, she went nine and oh on COVID tests the whole year. Um, and then finally she got her one vaccine and I was going to do like, if I did like the little MasterCard bullshit where it was like, you know, priceless, it'd be like two house, two roommates, which is me and her son, uh, my, my son, our son. Um, I was going to say, you know, two very happy roommates cause she got her, she got her, you know, vaccine the other day. So shout out to my wife, shout out to the healthcare workers all over the country who are getting the vaccine and, um, this is like the largest human science cohort ever. Uh, if you think about it, all 7 billion, whatever many billion of us on the planet Earth are the main cohort. And then now this new cohort is the vaccine folks. 
is wild. This is, this is the a wild time to be alive. alive. Um, so I, uh, I applaud all you humans who are doing your thing. There's so many different versions of what that means. I was talking about art and how the artists can find their way. Um, my wife is my benefactor these days. I mean, I took off school or left school, you know, left teaching to go be a full-time rapper, which obviously was a crazy idea, but I didn't know co- I didn't know 2020 was going to happen. This I literally left school before that happened. This crazy stuff happened. So There you go. Ah. Hope you don't got that. You don't be sick with that. No, <laughs> no. Uh uh there's a live shreve sneeze fest what up um anyways uh my wife is my benefactor basically you know um school was was overwhelming to me at the time when i left um i knew i was teaching i had taught public health for 12 years for 12 years i had dealt i've been a teacher in the public sphere with all these school shootings i was kind of done man i had watched my school make errors of judgment that devalue my contributions to our programs despite huge expansions of things that I paved the way for. And without getting into that, you know, sometimes your organization, your institution doesn't value you or doesn't quite put you in the direction you need to go towards. I'll close it like this with that point of view. Um, Before I left, we had this new building I had helped, literally helped this building get rolling. I needed a, I wanted to get a good office. I had been there for a while. I deserved a good office. I had helped this deal, the whole, the whole thing go through. And anyways, I wanted a window and they kind of like, kind of held, held that from happening at some, somehow. I don't even know. But I got a window, somehow they put a, a window on my office, but there was a window. I got this office with a window, but the window literally looked at an exit sign. Like that's the only thing I could see through my window was exit. Like, cause it was near the elevator, and <laughs> so if I looked out my window, it said exit. So I ended up exiting. I was only was in that office for like a semester because it was too much. Cause I I, I didn't want to be there. So anyways, um, I left school before all this crazy stuff happened. Even though it was public health, that was my schooling. Was that's what I taught was public health. Um, I didn't see this coming. I didn't know we was going to have that. I didn't know I was going to teach that. I knew coronavirus was there because I'm public health, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. I just knew I was done teaching. I think the, the school shooting that happened in Charlotte in maybe like 2018 in the winter, that threw me off because that was our school because I was like, you know, uh, Appalachian State is basically UNC, UNC Boone. And so UNC Charlotte had a, had a shooting, and then they canceled all of our exams. Like, the exams were canceled. And somewhere in here, I'd start, I stopped caring about exams and grades a little bit. And that was, like, proof to me that grades didn't matter. Because the year before, they canceled finals because of, I think it was snow. And I was like, man, y'all really don't care about finals. <laughs> so I started to change my ideas in academia, and I realized they were contradictory to some of the the ways, the values they held. Anyways, that's a neither here nor there story, but the conflict of all that, school shootings and academic, you know, freedom of uh, classroom, et cetera, equaled me wanting to leave, leave academia, but it equaled, as I ramble, it equaled 
me falling back because my wife is able to provide at the level she is because nursing is a great profession. Y'all, look into nursing, look into healthcare. It, you will be needed. I've been telling my students, I told my students forever, because America is so obese, because America has so much diabetes and heart disease and smokes so much, although we did way better on that in the last decade, but because of our social ills and the difficulties we have with taking care of our bodies from stress levels, from all the things we do wrong, healthcare workers will always be needed. You will be needed. So um, I'm married to one. So um, I'm very thankful she's had the vaccine. I'm thankful she's been able to allow me to do my art. Somehow for a long time, I did it in conjunction with being a full-time worker and teacher. So that's why this exists now is to teach y'all or to bring the residue of what I used to teach to y'all. Um, so thank y'all for listening. Um, I rambled a bunch at the end, but you know, if you listen for the whole thing, that's what you catch in the long version. So we deep dive sometimes, right? <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, uh, good riddance to 2020. Uh, I think Donald Trump, that might be one of the only times I'm gonna mention his name for a minute. <laughs> Anyways, uh, is proud to be gone in like two weeks. And then, you know, not that that changes how America and its doctrines function, but I think having a different baton holder at the top really will change the way things operate. So I'm interested to see how um, how Biden starts to rock it. So let's see what's going on and give the man a chance. In the meantime, welcome in 2021 responsibly. Um you know, find your way to create your little bubble. That's difficult, but, you know, it may just be your family. Go get you some bubbly. Get you some uh, sparkling grape juice or apple juice if you have to. Um, and just celebrate that we survive. We're alive as 2021 comes in. That's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, if you rap, go out there and try to earn the right to be called an MC. Don't worry about being a rapper. You know, rapping is overrated. I've been a rapper for a minute. Don't be a rapper. Go out there and be an MC. If you ain't around the crowds, be an artist. You ain't trying to sell shit anyway. Don't be a rapper. <laughs> Anyways, who needs a classroom? You do. I do. We do. Shit. Peace, y'all.